You're listening to Kiwi Roots Rugby Podcast. Let's go! Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of Kiwi Roots Rugby. You're joined by your host Felix Filippo. Joining me from uh, sunny Palmerston North is my man Scotty P. And not too far away in the South Island, we've got uh, Adam Burns, Burnsy. Hey, good old Burnsy. Um, yeah, good for you guys. You've got the, the full compliment today. Um, and we've got a lot to cover this episode. And we thought we'd, um, we'd switch it up once again. Um, given the disruptions in Super Rugby, that's forced us to pivot somewhat and think of some interesting uh, topics to, t- uh, to run through. Don't worry. Um, we've got some expert analysis and some great opinions, some of them controversial, coming to you shortly. So I think, what, we're in week four, week five of Super Rugby? Five. And week five, you know, and it's, it's always a good time to sort of stop and reflect and, and just see generally how, how our teams are tracking. I mean, we, we all love a good All Blacks chat here on the Kiwi Roots podcast. And I feel like this episode especially is going to be tailored towards um, how these key, um, key All Blacks uh, are performing a year and a bit out from the World Cup. So, Scotty, are there any particular All Blacks who are, you know, performing uh, well above what we are expected? Or are there some All Blacks who just haven't quite hit the mark? I, did you want to run through some of, the, some of the players you've got in mind, mate? Yeah, for sure. So, funnily enough, um, I prepared something a little earlier. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'll touch on a few players that, you know, I've sort of earmarked as key players that need to be performing, especially leading into the World Cup and, you know, will contribute uh, to the success of the All Blacks uh, once again. So I want to start off um, by saying we've got a little bit, well, I should say, I'm going to follow a little bit of a format here. You know, I'll name the player. We'll mention the form uh, or how their form, whether they're going great, good, poorly, etc. cetera. Um, talk about any strengths or weaknesses depending on their form. And then maybe, uh, you know, we can touch on are there any challenges, you know, for their position. The first player I want to start off with is um, Adi Savir. And I think we can all agree that he is playing uh, out of his skin once again. The, the thing that is making him stand out is he's actually making you know, really big plays when it matters for his team. And, yeah. you know, in the Hurricanes at the moment, they've really only got Adi Savir and Jordi Barrett uh, that you would call your, your veterans or your standouts. Um, if they have a poor game, then you know, it's a bit of a tough day at the office. I mean, that's nothing to say against some of those young boys because we have seen them step up in the last couple of weeks. What game was that where Jordy Barrett went off to the Highlanders game when the, the likes of Ruben Love came on and um, showed us what he's made of? But anywho, making big plays. He's leading by example, which is another great thing. He's making some big runs with the ball, doing his trademark uh, dummies. Um, he's driving his legs in the tackle. I think they, the biggest thing is around getting those big turnovers, particularly when they're on mm. the fence, you know, mm. five or 10 metres out. He loves doing that. So, yeah, I, I really don't think that there's a threat to his position at the moment. Yeah, you guys got any thoughts around Adi of sort of like hit the money or maybe there's something to add there? I think yeah. that probably the biggest question mark at the moment is what position will Ian Foster slot him in at the moment. I mean, there mm-hmm. are plenty of arguments that he is best suited to his natural position, which is number seven. Is that where... All Blacks management see him being utilised in terms of because of course uh, there is Sam Kane uh, returning from uh, injury um, from last year so I don't know um, it, it seems a little bit murky in terms of obviously obviously he's a he's a lock in the in, in somewhere in the loose forward trail but be interesting yeah. to see where you guys would want him. Um, for the All Blacks, uh, amongst that, um, amongst that three at the um, at the base of the scrum. What do you think, Felix? 
Where does he play, mate? Well, well, I think gone are the days where you have a set 15, right? You know, Adi Savia is one of the first names on the team sheet. And depending on who we play, Adi Savia just gives the coaches that sort of flexibility where you can just have him as an out-and-out seven and just have two really physical number sixes and number eights. Either that or you can flip it the other way and have two specialist sevens and one physical flanker. Um, and I think we we saw that, especially in the last World Cup against against England in that semi-final where he was sort of our designated fetcher and we just couldn't really compete in in the breakdown. We went we went heavy with size. Uh, there was Kieran Reid was still around and Scott Barrett started the um, the game with us. And there was also that uh, the threat in the lineouts that they wanted to try and nullify and compete for as well. So mm. yeah, it's it's only it's only a positive that Artie provides so much flexibility because I mean I'm so happy with what I've seen from someone like a uh, Dalton Papali'i. He teams up really well with Artie. Sam Kane's now throwing his name back in the hat, so you can always have two specialist um, sevens, just because Artie's so good at eights as well. Um, the, the, it's always the big question mark: who's going to be that that physical enforcer at six? Um, so I'm still waiting on perhaps this Super Rugby campaign to see who can match up with Artie and perhaps take off some of that uh, that pressure of um, competing in the uh, the breakdowns, just to let him. Let him loose, basically, in Rome. That's what he does best. Yeah, exactly. He's one player that can break the game open, that's for sure. Mm. Well, since, since we mentioned Sam Kane, um, let's touch on a bit of his performance. I think it's great to see him actually starting to get some regular minutes now. And it, I think it's fair to say that, you know, he's starting to build a little bit of form, um, if you guys would agree. Um, and, you know, I really think he's starting to become that glue again in that, you know, that Chiefs forward pack. Um, his leadership is really shining in those big games. Um, and it was, you know, sort of quite evident um, against Crusaders there, as they just plugged away, trusted in their process, and came away with the win. Um, when I'm looking at um, his tackling, you know, being being in that loose trio, um, he's got a high tackle rate, but he's probably falling off a few too many that I think he'd be he wouldn't be too happy about. Um, I was looking through some stats; he's falling off about two per game. Um, but you know he's sort of getting ten plus tackles, which is um, you know normally your top end guys, your your, your hard workers. Um, but the big thing is again, he, same as Ardi, he's getting some you know critical turnovers when it matters. So he's averaging about one to two per game as well for his side. So keeping his um, keeping the momentum sort of shifting backwards and forwards and, and more so in his favour. Um, but yeah, how, how do you guys see um, Sam Kane going at the moment? What do you think? I'll go with you, Felix. I think Sam Kane. Sam Kane's, oh, he's he's a victim of the old um, form versus class argument. You know, do you bring in the the hot hand who is Dalton Papaliti at the moment, uh, or do you go with the guy who's proven himself and who has the reputation? Sam Kane's certainly, like I said it before, he's put his put his name back in the hat, and there's still a you know there's still a a long Super Rugby campaign to sort of double down on his efforts um and there's also the, the um the all blacks uh test later on this year as well i i'm always a little bit skeptical when it comes to sam kane chap because he's always going to have that injury cloud over his head and that's just something that he's got to be dealing with for the rest of his career unfortunately um but i i have if he can keep up this form for the remainder of the um super rugby perhaps lead your Chiefs to a Super Rugby title and have some strong performances for the All Blacks later on this year, I think he's I think he's our guy. What do you think, bro? I think there's a question around what I suppose the general public think should happen versus what we think Ian Foster will do. And I think it's probably safe to say that he will stick with Sam Kane. I mean, but is he the incumbent All Black captain still? I'm. Not, I don't know. He missed a, a massive chunk of last. He missed a massive chunk of last year. Um, and obviously Sam Whitelock <laughs> and 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 Adi Savira as well took over some of that leadership mantle. Yeah. 
It's, it's but, quite a big decision, eh? Like being so close to 2023 World Cup, you either got to stick with Sam now or grab a new guy and pick up a new face. Or I I totally agree, and, and I totally agree with Felix as well. There's a lot of, I suppose, cynical sentiment out there around whether Sam Kane's body can handle his intent. I mean, he's always willing to kind of go into those yeah. deep, dark places. Yeah, 100%. Um, like those kind of hardcore loose forward trios, but, you know, he's had some a number of significant injuries uh, over the past few years. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not too sure. Uh, I mean, Adi Savir, I mean, again, Kind of comes back to that dis- uh, discussion around where do you see Adi Savia playing in the in the, in the All Blacks trade? Do you m- possibly move a Sam Kane to six, or, or do you move Savia to to the back of the scrum? Uh, I think that all those questions still remain unanswered at this stage. But um, we'll have to, we'll have, obviously we'll have to see how um, the Chiefs campaign kind of fares and and whether Kane can avoid. Injury and say healthy, I guess. Yeah, and I just want to add like flankers these days, it doesn't really matter what number's on the back of your jersey, man. You saw it when Kieran Reed was still in the black jersey, he was swapping positions on the back of the scrum with Artie on the regular, depending on what type of attacking move they wanted to perform. So, yeah, flankers, man, this is this is your golden year, man. It's you can you can you can you know link up wherever you want if you've got a running game you're at the back if you're a hard grafter mate you could be on the open side so yeah um it just it just goes to show how lucky we we are to have someone like a Adi Saber to free up two other positions it's yeah it's pretty sweet 100 yeah. percent. you gotta be extra careful with the likes of Tane Plumtree and um Braden Yoshi uh Bolters, you reckon? Right you're, you're already talking about bolters. Wow, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll give you know. one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I reckon, yeah, I, I reckon in such a big year, they'll pick experience and composure over over the youth. That's just what I'm. Unless they're playing out of their skins, and it's undeniable that they have to choose them. Uh, Come on, them. man! Like I like. Can we just let's like, pause for a minute because that I just want to go back to the 2015 World Cup. I know that was the last time we won, but if you remember correctly, we had some. Let's let's be honest. We had some old dogs who were on their last legs, <laughs> and we they just produced as if they were still in their prime. Coupled with the fact that we had brimming talent, youthful guys like Julian Savier and Nehemuna Scudder. Who are, he was a bolter as well, like the mm. year before, and he had an awesome tournament as well. And I'm just thinking, you established the framework as far as experience versus youth um, back yeah. in 15. Why don't why don't you just do something similar? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I think we I think that we struck that balance really really well in 2015. You know, because we mm. did have obviously McCall was still there, Carter was still there, uh, Jerome Kaino was still there, and then as you mentioned, you know, Nicky Milda Scudder. Uh, Julian Savier, um, yeah, Ficky we had Tull some, was still um, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had the, we struck that balance really, really well. I thought. Mm. Well, only time will tell. Uh, let's stick with the Fords, and I'm going to shuffle over to the Crusaders and um, go into the tight five. So I've highlighted um, Cody Taylor uh, from the Crusaders there. So I think Ooh. he's in pretty hot form at the moment. Try scoring hooker. What has he got? Like three tries, whatever it is. Um, but again, he's nailing his set piece. Um, he's got a high workload uh, sort of around the park, which we know. Um, he's a great ball runner with ball in hand. He's an attacking yeah. threat and he can put people in space too. Um, what about that back pass to um, Braden Eno on the inside, the no looker? Uh, not many hookers <laughs> are doing that these days. But um, I mean, for me, he remains at the number one hooker, I think. Um, you know, Summer Sonia, Tokiaho, and maybe even Kurt Eklund as a bolter. Um, you know, that really is only threat uh, at the moment. We haven't really seen a lot of Masafa um, Amor. Or oh, sort of have, haven't we? But Nah, he's been playing well, mate. He's been doing all good for the Canes. Yeah. So, okay, well, let me rephrase that then. Summer Sonia, Tokiaho, and Masafa Amor are still the top dogs 
Kurt Eklund, man, he's good in those rucks, eh? He's like another number, like a flanker on the board. <laughs> You're talking about your bolters again, Scotty. Wow. Um, I'm an optimist. Optimist. No, we, 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 we were, yeah, we were rating this guy. Was it last episode or the episode before that? Um, he's a machine. Absolute machine, eh? Like yeah. minute one to minute 80 just doesn't stop, man. Um, he was actually one of the best players in that um, that crushing defeat, uh, overtime defeat against the Hurricanes. Um, yeah, I've, I I don't have him over Asafa more, but as a bolter, mm, he's probably, you know, out of all the, the remaining hookers, he's, he's, he's at the top of the list. It's like such so a we don't we don't see Dane. No. Oh, Dane. We don't yes. we don't we don't see Dane Coles at the at next year's World Cup. Bro, I don't know. Eh? He needs to get on know. the park, eh? Yeah, that's a that's a no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I it's think we just need from to see Kane's him fans. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Dane Coles will step up though if he's put in that position, regardless of how many minutes he's played in Super Rugby. Even yeah. Saw it um, last in the last um, All Blacks interview um, tour. He was playing pretty good rugby, so yeah, true. You can't write him off. That's all I'm saying. If you if you're talking about a mix between experience, then you'd take Dane Coles, Cody Taylor, and then one of those other young boys. Yeah, yeah, that I would think be that's my what pick. Do, eh? mm. Yeah, yeah. Let's stay in the tight five for the Crusaders and jump over to Sam Whitelock. Um, Sam Whitelock doesn't do the flashy stuff, does he? Uh, but when you go and, you know, dive deep into the data, the Crusaders lineout is best in the business at the moment, 90% success rate. For Sam Whitelock, you know, he's got a high tack- tackle success rate. I think he's at 98%. He's mainly a short game ball runner. I'm not really seeing a lot of meters, you know, from him. But what I am seeing is a lot of distributing. So if he's getting the ball, he's probably sending it out back a lot. Um, which again is a, is a pretty t- difficult skill to master, um, but yeah, I'd say they're probably going to go Sam Whitelock. I don't see them choosing any other locks purely because they want they're going to want that experience uh, in that type five in those big games. Another another captain, pretty much. Um, do you guys see anybody sort of challenging him at the moment, or well, not really? He'll be there. What about uh, go to you, Adam? You're down there, so close to just a, it just it just <laughs> it just uh, no, but he's from he's uh, he's OG Manawatu. Hey, OG Manawatu. Oh, I think half this yeah. list is OG Manawatu. Nah, probably. Not. <laughs> I mean, most I mean most of the Crusader squad's been kind of pillaged from other other unions, <laughs> isn't it? Um, Great. It just kind of occurred. It just occurred to me that uh, if they go with. Uh, Brody and Sam Whitelock, which is you know on the cards. Obviously, there'd be a fourth straight World Cup campaign for that. Yeah. Although was Brody actually was Bro- no was Brody at twenty eleven? Sorry, no, there was Brad Thorne. Sorry, no. Well, three Thorne. straight World Cups um, for the uh, yeah, for the for the second wrong. row. Yeah, yeah. Brody's finding uh, some form too. I shouldn't pivot. Back he's lo- he's looking good. <laughs> Felix, you got any thoughts around it? I, I think he gets in there purely because of what you said. Um, but yeah, experience and competing in those lineouts, man. I, I really enjoyed that battle against um his 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 budding partner and uh Ritalik in the last game that they played. I think Whitelock actually stole a couple of them. So mm. you know, I just I just love when giants sort of butt heads like that because you know they they end up just pushing each other to like to newer heights and I do think that both Whitelock and Retallick have, you know, they've got a chance to regain their best form and that's coming at a you know the best time actually. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Well let's stick with the Crusaders. We'll move out a little bit and go to Richie Moonga. Again, I think he's um in hot form from game one really. First minute he went on the park. Uh, made a massive yeah. difference. His running game was something we're not seeing from a lot of our first fives. Maybe Bryn Gatlin's um, bringing that now, and uh, the likes of um, Ruben Love has probably got a bit of a running game. But yeah, Richie Moonga's step, eh? And his um, 
ability to put guys in space and just create opportunities. I think that's something that we're not seeing um, as much from the other guys. Um, but when I look at his kicking game as well, he's slotting all those penalties uh, and he's putting some really nice tactical kicks in. I don't know if you saw uh, the last game, some of those grubbers. Uh, there was one uh, scrum, you know, pretty much like 10 metres in from the sideline and they did that reverse play down the blind side. He did that, um, oh, yeah. yeah, that grubber kick. and chase for Ethan... Ethan Black yeah, and ended up scoring with um, Havili. Yeah, but that's what you want from your TNA. You want them to score points when they're up for grabs, and you want them to create opportunities. Whether it's um, yeah, the, the defense making a mistake or, or you know some individual brilliance on on the tail end of it. But I think he's uh, he's probably my number one at the moment. Um, Bowden Barrett's just not getting enough minutes. He's got his head injuries. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. What are you guys thinking? Feeling feeling on the same same vibe? I'm not sure. I think it's interesting that the Crusaders have not been at their best so far this year, and they've been kind of tested. Obviously, they went down to uh, the Chiefs. I think the, the 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 biggest caveat when it comes to Richie Moanga is that he's the best player in the world behind a board pack that is going forward. Mm. When the All Blacks, starting for the All Blacks, and they've been beaten up a couple of times in some of their losses over the uh, the past couple of seasons. There have been kind of question marks as to how uh, Moanga has directed the All Blacks out of trouble in terms of you know decision making under uh, under pressure. Um, um, so it'll be interesting to see how how the Crusaders kind of continue on and whether uh, which Moanga can, I don't know, respond to some of that um, pressure if the Crusaders uh, forwards are, you know, finally kind of been matched in some areas, which, you know, if you look at someone like the Chiefs did that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd say Rich Moanga is far from the, the finished product but on his day he's obviously the best first five in the world so yeah in terms of the battle with Bowden Barrett yeah I mean Barrett's not just yeah as you said he's not getting enough um, time on the time on the park so yeah there's probably no, there is probably no competition for for the fly half position at this stage but you know it's a long it's a long rugby season though isn't it would you say that I'll um, oh, go through that there you go. I was going to say, would you say that Bowden Barrett is quite similar to Ma'anonu in the latter stages? Like, pretty average at super level, but put, in, put him in an all-blacks jersey and let's go. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon, Felix? <laughs> what a comparison. I was like, are you going to talk about their running game or their passing game? No, but just no, in terms they... of, yeah, form on the, on the park. <laughs> They've moved around super rugby franchises and <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I hope that's not the case. I, I think Bowden Barrett's a better player than that. Um I I don't see him, you know, grabbing that starting number ten jersey anytime soon. Richie Moanga is is an absolute stud. Um and I, I hope <laughs> um to I hope to your to your point, Bernsey, that the All Black selectors pick the right eight to help him out because, I mean, he's, I mean, he went to the last World Cup. He's won in New Zealand at the highest level. There's, you know, a World Cup is perhaps the only thing that's missing from this guy's impressive CV. So, um, and he's he's ready. I I do believe he's the guy. Um, and and that's not a knock on Bowden Barrett. If he anything happens to Wonga, boom, Bodie, you're right in there. Um, he's just, I think you talked about those pressure situations earlier, um, and you actually just need more time in the saddle during those pressure situations. And he's, to be fair, he's he's held his own against South Africa, who's perhaps the most intense team as far as applying pressure, giving up the ball and seeing what the other teams can do with it. Richie Moanga doesn't need to go deep into his bag of tricks. He's just got to drive the field, uh, drive the team down the field and make the correct play. And when the opportunity presents itself, then show off some of that X factor and that flair that we all know and love about his game. 
And it comes down to coaching as well. You know, are the All Blacks implementing the right game plan to suit a player like Richard Mwanga uh, as well? So maybe in hindsight, I was being a little bit too harsh on him in terms of kind of previous um, losses that he's been involved in. Uh, and, and as you rightly pointed out, I mean, the All Blacks need to pick the right forward pick to, you know, assert themselves physically because, um, you know, you can't always rely on your first vibe to, to, to kind of direct you out of trouble. Yeah. You know, you and need I, to be I, obviously get, yeah. you know, getting some dominance up front um, as well. But yeah, Bowden Barrett. This is his third season with the third season with the Blues. Bloody hell, it's been a weird, weird old time. Five I've, games. I've, I don't think I've watched. I don't think I've seen him for longer than five minutes on the park. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the last time I seen him celebrate a try, it was when uh, Dan Cole scored in the in the corner, and that was at last year's opener. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that earlier today. Yeah, oh, iconic moment. <laughs> That's how long it's been. <laughs> awesome. Scotty, who do you have next on your list, mate? Okay, so next on my list of superheroes, I have Rico Ioane. So, uh, I don't know. For me, he hasn't really stood out a lot for the Blues. Um, you know, I think he's really struggling to shine at the moment with the current setup. Um, you know, Blues are not really phasing. They're not getting a lot of go forward and, and presenting him a lot, of, a lot of nice ball or creating mismatches. And we know that Ioane will beat any Ford any day of the week. Um, his step and his speed off the mark is just uncanny, but I haven't really seen um, a lot of that sort of shine through. And it seems like the Blues are sort of, their game plan is give it to Roger, to Abbasashek, or use the contest- contestable kick, which their wingers are chasing, or um, attack on the edges, give it to their wingers. So it's, it's pretty pretty rough for him at the moment, but Let's be honest, he still has a freaking deadly step, blistering pace, and he's strong in the carry. What more do you want from your, from your 13? Um, and I mean, even as defensive play as well, we saw it and when he was playing for the All Blacks when he hunted down, um, who was that, Banks? Tom Banks? Yeah. He mowed him yeah. down. Like, you can't replace that, hey, that competitive edge. And he's still relatively young. So um, is anybody threatening his position? I don't think so. Are we seeing him shine like we want to see him shine? Probably not, but it's Rico Ioane. Um, he, he's got enough history behind him, I think, to that he's a, a definite pick. What do you think, Philip? Yeah, I've I've always been a huge fan of uh, Rico. Um, although it is a little bit worrying that um, he just hasn't got got the opportunities. I don't understand. Why, why in the world you've got one of the most lethal weapons of world rugby and you decide to spread the ball? Um, give the man a shot. He's proven time and time again um, what he's capable of. Um, I think at the top level for the All Blacks, he's, he's broken so many games open for us. He didn't need to score the try, but just that, that initial line break with his quick feet, he's got an underrated fend. Um, for a guy his size and his ability to offload as well. Um, I don't think it's much of a competition. I just think he probably needs, you know, a decent second five who can be in sync with the type of style that he plays, which is quite up-tempo. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the only person that's threatening him is Anton Leonard-Brown, really. Um, I mean, we've probably seen what, one or two games from him at the moment, but I think I'd still pick Rico over Anton. Um, but mm. Anton's not a bad replacement <laughs> at number 13. So. Who would, I mean, you'd, you'd have to look at your midfield as a combination as well. I mean, who do you see in, inside Rico? I mean, do you, do you, do you see <laughs> LB maybe at 12? Or do you see someone like maybe a Jack Goodhue at 12? Um yeah, I, I mean, who, who do you think is the best person to best person to partner um, Rico Ioane in the midfield? Is Jack Goodhue still even in the picture? Where is he? Yeah, where where is he? Where is he? Who, who is? He? Must be her. He's made, he's, he's he's made of glass, Goodhue. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. and 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 Braden Enel. 
Well, Red and Enor has been playing well this year, you know. Maybe he's he hasn't quite put his name up because he needs a few more games like um, he's put in earlier. But, um, you know, to, to answer your question, I think you just have to, you just have to develop, you know, the Harvili Ioane uh, combo. Um, oh, been, Harvili, sorry, apologies. Yeah, they've been, you know, um, glimpses of what they can do. Um I don't think he's our best number 12. I think our best number 12 took off to France. But anyways, that's a different story. Um, <laughs> we, yeah. Um, what we needed was a power punch and a pace on the 13. That could have been a lethal one, one, two combo, but um, no one's taking away from uh, Havili's playmaking skills. He shows it time and time again for the Crusaders that, if he's got to make a clearing kick, he's happy to step into first receiver. If he wants, you know, if he needs the line break, he's crazy in the breakdown as well. Um, we, yeah, they just need to be tested some more. So I'm looking forward to uh, the tests at the well later on this year to see if they can, yeah, spark something new. Do you guys see anybody else on the periphery who could, in the similar mould to a, a Nani Laumapi, who's more of a direct ball runner and can I, I suppose offer that kind of punch in midfield well it looks like um, the person they have at the moment is Quintu Pai of the Chiefs and you know yeah. I said it when he was first selected like of all the of all the midfielders that we had at the time Havili was just picked as well he's the only guy that runs straight and true um, mm. and he's not much bigger than then Havili, I mean, he's probably just a little bit slimmer, but man, give him two or three years in that jersey and he's he's going to be something special way. Eh? If you're looking for a wrecking ball, what about Umanga Jensen on the Highlanders? He's <laughs> putting his hand up at the moment with his thunder thighs. <laughs> yeah, he's leading um, away. Yeah, he's their biggest threat at the moment, I think, in the back line. And it was um, pretty evident when uh, he went off early in that game against, uh, was it the Blues or? it was I don't know, I think it was the Blues but uh, I don't know I reckon RTS has got to get back in there because if he can develop his game because he, he's got that offload game which I think would be great with Rico Ioane if he can draw in defenders and get a pass away imagine putting him in space with his speed off the mark um, that's going to be deadly I just think RTS just doesn't bring a kicking game which potentially um, might you know push him out with um, Habili in there at the moment, you know, he's another clearance kicker if um, Moonga or Barrett's down or Geordie Barrett as well. He's he's down as well, but yeah, I don't know. It's a tricky one. But anyway, back to Rico. He's the man. <laughs> We're sticking with him at 13. <laughs> just, to, just to round it off. Um, two more players we've got here, Mark here. So Aaron Smith. Um, he's playing all right. He's he's doing it pretty tough, eh, with the Highlanders at the moment. Um, haven't won a game yet this season, um, but I still think he does have the best pass in the game. And with the right forward pick in front of him, it's the same as um, your, your number ten. You know, with the right forward pick in front of him, you get good clean ball, quick ball. Um, the number nine has a lot of time and space to really express himself. Because what, what I noticed uh, with Aaron Smith, I was looking through his his stats and his data, and he doesn't seem to have a lot of um, carries at the moment, which is a bit no. of a shame because he is he's a pretty good runner with the ball, eh? And he's pretty quick, and uh, as they call him, nugget, he's nuggety. But um, they are using him a lot for his box kicking, but I think that is because of the the lack of um, I don't want to say it in a way that's condescending, but a lack of like you know power or physicality in their forward pick um, at the moment but yeah he's averaging probably about five or six box kicks a game which is good he's got one of the best box kicks as well so they're using him where they can when they can but it'd be good to see him express himself with ball in hand as well and create some, some good opportunities um, yeah what do you what do you think Burns are you, you're closer to Aaron Smith than we are Aaron Smith is he is he your man at number one halfback oh, oh, oh I, I think he's Still the clear front runner at halfback, um, and I think just over the years, both him and TJ, who's a different type of halfback, who's a little bit 
you know, gets a little bit more physical around the fringes and does a little bit more with ball in hand. I think they've kind of complemented each other quite nicely in, in terms of yeah. the wider all black setup. Yeah. I mean, if anything, a Brad Weber is probably too similar to Aaron yeah. Smith. Yeah, um, I agree. 100%. So, I mean, I mean, Aaron Smith's experience is going to be pertinent to our prospects at the World Cup next year. So, uh, yeah, I, for me, it's set and forget with Aaron Smith at nine. So, unless these are drastic, drastic uh, fall in the form, um, <laughs> which I can't, which I can't, which I can't see another, another, another scandal. Which we hope. <laughs> we, yeah. we don't need another Which one I shouldn't of those bring in up. New Zealand rugby. Uh, don't need another no. one of those. No. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. Um, but when you look at Brad Weber, though, it's, he's sort of proof that if you've got a good forward pack in front of you, he can really shine, eh? I, mean, he, I think he's third top scri- yeah. try scorer in the competition at the moment. But he's on some hot form. But he's just got so much time to, to think and, and, and make the right play. I mean, I, I would say that um, their competitive edge uh, between um, Aaron Smith and um, Webb is probably the same. Um, maybe Aaron Smith's a little bit more competitive, um, just, just from what I've seen on, on the likes of YouTube, et cetera. But, um, yeah, I'd love to see Aaron Smith. Imagine him in the back of the Chiefs. Or <laughs> it will never happen. Mm. Anyway, anyway. All right, who put down this? Carl Tuinukuafe. Who's that? Which one of you jokers? Is that you, Philip? That was, oh, was that, that you? Was me. Oh, mate, go ahead. Yeah. All yours. What's going on here? <laughs> oh, I like it. Oh, because I'm that's the chat I'm, we need. Because I'm because I'm so versed in in in, in front row in front row play. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. oh, wait, we need to we need to understand this. Wait, wait, what position did you play when you play rugby? What position did I play? Yeah. Don't say water ball. Oh, no, they, 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 they chucked me out on the wing at, at, at club at club rugby. Yeah, okay. I, I was definitely I was definitely a Terry Wright type player. I don't know if you guys remember remember Terry Wright from the late eighties and early nineties for the All Blacks. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The, the the reason the reason I've kind of added a front row in there is just. I haven't seen our All Black Ford pack get beaten up so much, yeah. You know, over the past two seasons in the games that we've lost, you know, the 2019 semi final against England, and then again last year against Ireland one week, and then France the next. And I don't know, do we have the right? Um, I don't know, makeup in, in, in terms of front rowers um, to, to give us that kind of foundation. There has been kind of talk about, you know, front rowers need to be a little bit more than just, you know, scrummaging. You know, they need to be a little bit more dynamic with ball on hand. And mm. uh, I, I, I don't know, do we, are there maybe better players uh, than Carl? Or, or maybe better, better players who offer a little bit more range in terms of their playing you know they offer a little bit more with um you know around the park i don't know yeah. what you i can offer a couple of years. names up i can offer a couple of names up from uh right Shoot. here in wellington <laughs> i mean xavier xavier has been stunning the last two years he was a bolter last year and he's carried over that momentum to this year he's fantastic um probably the quickest prop actually around the park but he is he is of He's a smaller build um, uh, than his his teammate and my second pick, Alex Fido. Um, he's been great as well. I think I remember an NPC match last year against Canterbury and he scored the winning try in overtime. Oh, no, in regular time to send it to overtime and then it was Umanga Jensen that scored in the corner. Um, this guy around the fringes, um, Alex Fido I'm talking about, He's, he's unbeatable. The guy's nearly 130 and he steps like a back. I mean, you want to talk about who can get around the park. I think that's your guy. 
he's just been he's just been unlucky with injuries in the past, but uh, last year he's been pretty solid, eh? Uh, mm. But I couldn't yeah. agree with you more around the domination of our front row. It's borderline embarrassing, eh? Mm. And and a topic that we'll probably get into a little bit later as we talk about some of the other teams around the world. Scotty, as the front row expert, oh, you, you, you're shaking your head over here thinking, <laughs> my goodness, what are these two on? No, nah, no, nah, nah. hey, come on, man. <laughs> you're setting me up. No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, look, look, I actually agree with you guys. I've never been a crazy fan of Kyle Tunagwafe just because the game had already changed and somehow he exploded onto the scene. Um, you know, it, a prop needs to be a bit more mobile these days and have some ball handling skills. Um, I mean, you got guys like um, Angus Bell in Australia, who's an excellent ball runner. I think he's like cheapest third most carries in Super Rugby at the moment. But yeah. got guys like him. Um, yeah. If he wants a, a role model to follow, Joe Moody's probably a really good one, who's developed his running game. Um, if he watched his last game, he made a few breaks up the middle there um, and, and set up some some opportunities for his teammates. Um, we've already got like a set piece, like superstar and offer to a fussy. Do we need another one? I mean, offer to a fussy uh. doesn't really have a running game, but shit, you want someone to hit rucks and smash people and and win those he's, drums. Um, yeah, he's <laughs> yeah, the we guy. <laughs> yeah, we don't need two of those on the field. Maybe just one is enough. Um, uh. Yeah, so I, I would, yeah, agree with you. How to Nukafi needs to do some serious work on his agility and his ball handling. Otherwise, I think his time is up. So there you go. Good call from the from the backs there on the wing. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> your analysis is spot on, my friend. Nah, cool, cool. <laughs> okay, um, I don't have anybody else on our list. Is there any um, bolters in there that you guys want to touch on? Otherwise, I think we should move along. Felix, no, I'm pretty happy with what we've covered. That you know. The, the top dogs in our all black squad at the moment so yeah we do expect a lot of these guys um and they they seem to be overall tracking tracking well yeah yeah benzy you want to say mate um no, i'm pretty happy with it the only i think the only the biggest player i think the form player at the moment in super rugby is gus so cooler at the Chiefs. Uh, oh, we're talking Bolters. Bolters He's, chair. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. He's got Is to it be enough? Can you see it? Can you see him as an All Black? Can I see Sam Hello? Kane, Artie Saver, and Peter Gasoakula working at international level? How? Yes. Oh, my oh. word. See, Felix likes it. <laughs> I, th- I thought I'd just float it. I thought I'd just float it. He's got the chemistry with Kane and Artie's. Com- Adi, well, he could do everything, so he'll slot right in there. No, he's, the, he's, the other, he's the other, he's the other form player of the, of the, of the comp at the moment. That is a yeah. lethal. Oh, that's <laughs> a great like shout. A, aging like a fine wine, Adi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's head offshore a little bit. Um, not too far from home, but I don't know if you guys saw um, on the news today that Dave Rennie named his 40-man squad for his first uh, meetup. Um, and it looks pretty much like a similar team. They've got eight new faces in there. Um, the average age there is 26, so a fairly young team. I think it's a good age to go into to a World Cup. I mean, um, one thing I did notice, though, is there's not a lot of you know old heads. Uh, out of the 40-man squad that he's named, there's only 10 players in there that have more than 20 tests. Um, so that could work against him. But let's be honest, Dave Rennie took on an uphill battle. And uh, I must say he's doing a great job in terms of finding ways to to bring this team back into you know, the, the Wallaby squad that we're, we're probably um, used to seeing back in the day. Um, mm. Yeah, but um, in terms of names in there, I don't know if you guys have been watching the Aussie teams closely, but some of the key players that, I think he's selected, and I think that needs to stand out for him. Firstly, if we start off with James O'Connor from the Queensland Reds, um, if you guys have been watching him uh, at the moment, he's, you know he's not scoring a lot of tries, but the thing for him at the moment is he's just he's setting up a lot of um, try scoring opportunities, and it's actually just through a real simple move of he's just squaring defenders up, running straight, 
ball in two hands, you know, getting the defender planted on his flat foot and then just giving away some nice short balls and making really good decisions. Um, so I think he's going to be really key for them. We saw, you know, in their last Wallaby squad with Quade Cooper, you know, he came in, settled the ship, but when he left again, it was a bit, I don't know, there's a bit of disruption there in that back line and they didn't have a, have a fantastic end of year tour, but, you know, with, with the right mix of guys on form, um, they, they, you know, they can be a real threat. Do you guys think that the Aussies at the moment, you know, could beat the All Blacks? Oh, look, they're, build, they're building, that's for sure. Um, and they've had, you know, a couple of good results here and there. Um, and unfortunately, that pretty much sums up the Australian squad for me. Um, they'll they'll get up against like a Wales or a Scotland and then probably get trounced by, you know, like the All Blacks or South Africa, mm. unfortunately. Um, you know, they did a great job, actually. Uh, I think, it, yeah, it was like early last year they had um, the Test Series against France, who who are also building as well. Um, <laughs> and what they... Oh, they won there. Was, they? Yeah, was that was that one apiece? No, um, they won it 2-1. Two, two two, yeah. And they were like super close, um, yeah. and it was a great welcoming party for the likes of, you know, like Hunter Paisami, who you've got on your list here. Um, man, him and his teammate Jordan Pattaya, those two are just going to be lethal. They're the future, in my opinion, of Australian rugby. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, later on that later on that year, they end up, you know, having some tough games against the All Blacks, but I think they're. Their intent to play up tempo style rugby needs to be balanced with some, you know, some hard graft in the set pace and, you know, securing those, um, you know, that breakdown ball. So, yeah, I, I don't know if they've got that balance quite right. Um, I guess time will tell. How yeah. do you feel about this Aussie squad, uh, Bernsey? Yeah, the Wallabies. I suppose in the recent years kind of struck me as, you know, a team that's probably more than the sum of its parts, really. You know, they don't have any superstars, really, and they kind of rely on some of their more experienced heads. And I can see this. They do have a couple of centurions uh, in that squad, you know, with um, Michael Hooper, who I think is just a machine, really. I think he deserves a lot of props. Um, And also James Slipper as well. Um, but yeah, do I see them being a contender for the World Cup next year? No, but I mean, I, I don't think they're beyond, I don't think the All Blacks are streaks ahead of uh, the, the, the Wallabies on a consistent basis. I think there, there have been instances where the Wallabies have competed in certain areas, but um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you can only have so you can only put so much of a gauge on the on on the New Zealand teams playing the Australian teams at Super Rugby because that doesn't always translate to how the All Blacks and the Wallabies um, compete against each other. But I mean, it, it does it would provide a bit of a snapshot as to how far the gap is at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think the Wallabies are just kind of maybe. A couple of superstars short of a being a half decent team. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if that sounds harsh. Yeah, I think they're getting there. Eh? The last couple of years, I mean, for me, um, I think they've really just been missing some really good strike runners in that midfield, really. But if you got Hunter Paisami and, and Isaiah Parisi, you know, they're hitting some really good form now for for their respective teams. And and then you got Jordan Pattaya. I don't know if you guys watched his last game, but he was playing fullback. And yeah. holy moly, he was pretty solid out the back there. I've never seen him play like that before. He um yeah he made that really good try where he was um, running the ball down down the right hand edge, and he just swerved around the fullback like it was absolutely nothing. Um, I think it was um that Fijian draw game where he ran around yeah. um, Baden Kerr. He just made the, he just like. Yeah, glided around him, man. Made it so easy, and then he made that massive hit on their on their winger as well. Um, but he's starting to find some form. And look, he's only twenty two years old. I didn't even know scary. that when I was watching him last scary, year. Scary man. And I was That's like, scary. sort of pretty critical of him, to be honest. 
but now no, he was only 21 years old. Like, man, the pressure on your shoulders. But all these guys are young. The average age is 26, but you look at all their stars, minus James O'Connor at 31 and um, and Michael Hooper at, at, at 30. Uh, the, the future is here, eh, with, with, the, with the Aussie boys. Yeah. And Dave Rennie's yeah. the perfect man to bring the best out of this team. Um, I don't know if yeah. you've watched a lot of Harry Wilson, the number eight for the Reds. Um, he was pretty devastating against against Fijian and Drew as well, but he, he's a, a player that loves ball in hand and he's um, capable of giving an offload and scoring tries as well. So give him a few more tests and, you know, come 25 or even next World Cup, what is he going to be, like 27? You know, a lot of these players will be 27, between 27 and 30. Um, the, Australia will be a, a hot contender. Yep. Um, provided they get some, some pretty good talent. So I think this World Cup coming up, I think depth is probably going to be their biggest issue just with the lack of experience. But mm. I don't know, I'm sure we're going to see some pretty good rugby and, and maybe some stars shine out. I reckon the future of these guys is Angus Bell, um, Andrew Calloway. Hey, remember saying his name hey. a lot? That rugby champion. Yeah. Andrew Calloway. Yeah, good man. I thought those... you were going to bring him up. I thought I'd just leave that one, leave that one aside for you. Nah, mate. We, we haven't seen a lot of him in um, Super Rugby, eh? but yeah, he's a superstar on the international stage, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to see a bit more of him. Um, but yeah, Rob Bellatini is probably another one that we haven't talked about and needs a bit of love. Uh, he's he's playing pretty solid at the moment too. And look at that, twenty three years old, dude. He looks like he's like freaking thirty. <laughs> I didn't even know these guys were so young. I wonder why they're yeah, it's you know, scary, eh? Yeah, yeah, under pressure, they, you know, these guys are struggling. But jeepers, man, give these guys boys a couple of years. I think I think one person that probably struggled under pressure last year was uh, old mate Noah Lolisio. Um, he's probably one guy that really needs to start to you know put in some strong games together because. Yeah, I'm not sure if they can sort of, you know, continue to excuse some of those very basic mistakes he was making last year. Um, I haven't seen much of him uh, this year, but fingers crossed he can he can turn it around. Hey, eh? he's he's got time. That's the main thing, eh? Mm, yeah, exactly. So um, I think one thing that yep, I think oh, just sorry. I think one thing that today Rooney will be pretty happy with is that the, the, the start of the Super Rugby Conference in Australia is being quite competitive. Yeah. Uh, I think I think it's just the Melbourne Melbourne Rebels are the only only uh, franchise uh, yet to register a win. But um, you know, there's been some pretty kind of com- com- combative and competitive um, uh, outings amongst the uh, amongst the Australian teams, so, which will only make kind of competition for places in the Wallaby team. That much more fierce, so yeah, I, I think the coach will be pretty happy with that. Yeah, I agree. Um, no, they're, they're, they're playing some good rugby deal this side, it's actually pretty entertaining to watch. Um, so we saw coming out today the rankings, updated rankings. So Australia sitting at sixth, um, unfortunately, New Zealand dropped under third, and the French, after their six nations glory, have moved into second place. Uh, Felix, I understand you caught this game. Man, oh man, what a finale of the Six Nations. And it wasn't just this game. We could probably talk, touch on um, Italy uh, getting their first win over Wales because that was a thriller as well. But you, you want to talk about a complete demolition or, um, yeah, complete demolition of a team. I think France pretty much put that... Um, Put that to the to the to the English. Um, it's interesting because the English came out firing in the first half, and it was it was close. You know, I, I couldn't pick apart which team was going to come out here and take this game. Obviously, the French team were chasing history, wanted the clean sweep, wanted the grand slam, and you saw that in the second half. They just stepped it up a notch, and just in the end, had way too much flair. Um, for the English who who kind of folded. I, I was surprised to see that they lacked sort of ambition in that second stanza to re- really punch home a, a you know, a, a comeback. Um, 
worrying signs for the English because I thought they were definitely one of the title contenders um, for the Six Nations. Um, but as for France, dude, this team, I, I have them rated really high, actually. Um, I'm not too sure how you guys feel about that, but with the reigning World Rugby Player of the Year and Antoine Dupont, man, this guy, you should have seen his box play. kicks. Absolutely unreal. He box kicks further than Bowden Barrett can clearance kicks, you know, um, off, you know, off the sand. It's insane. You know, deep in there, 22, and he's getting it well past half halfway. You want to talk about exits? This guy's got it under wraps. Um, but that's that's not all. They've got plenty of flair in the back line. Um, who can forget uh, Romain Intermax's amazing game against the All Blacks last year? Uh, Melvin Jaminet, who's also, he had a stunning game uh, against the English last weekend. Um, and this French team just seemed to be building um, every game towards what I think is going to be an incredible showdown when the Rugby World Cup k- kicks off um, and they play the All Blacks first up. Are they Are they biggest, just, yeah, sorry, what was that? The biggest Rugby World Cup opener ever. <laughs> probably yeah yeah doesn't get probably bro (laughs) um yeah with them being the host nation they're just i'm scared of this team i'm literally scared and who you know that the way they handled not just the northern hemisphere teams and the six nations they dealt to the all blacks last year this team is young you know um they've had time just like the australians uh, trying to achieve as well um i heard somewhere that this team was constructed back in the under 20s uh, of 2017 2018 where they went back to back and a lot of these guys have just maintained those combinations you know those little subtleties and and you saw that against england man um dangerous dangerous team uh I don't know. I want to hand it over to you guys because now I'm sounding really biased towards the French. Um, but yeah, they're, they're going to be the team to beat. I'm just going to put that out there. I think I agree with you. The French, you know, when they beat the All Blacks, and I would say probably convincingly um, at the end of your tour, yeah, you can blame the All Blacks were, were tired and, you know, worn out. But I think. But the way they've played in this last Six Nations, they've shown that it's not a fluke. You know, they can handle yeah, pressure, yeah. they can play the big teams, and they're playing, gosh, a style of rugby that's hard to defend. I mean, their forwards are skillful runners, they're powerful runners, they always make it over the advantage line. But one thing I'm noticing here is they top the table in offloads as well, so they want to keep that ball alive. Um, you know, and so they're causing chaos just all throughout that park. And then they've got the back line and Anton Dupont and Intermax, and um, um, who's in there in their um, their centre pairing, um, Piku. Um, yeah, yeah. Piku. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you look impressed. Yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, impressed, impressed because he was also another stud in the weekend, man. Great yeah. player. Yeah, man, they've got the talent in the back line to back them up. So it's just, this is going to be a hard team to beat. And you know, like you say, they've, they've come through the, the grades together. So they've probably been taught this style of rugby all together. And there's no sort of old heads holding them back. It's like they're just a young yeah. team just doing what they want to do yeah. out there. They've yeah. been given the green light. Let's go. But yeah, yeah. France, um, the team to beat at the moment. They're just going to maintain this form, really. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Benzie? Uh. Have they peaked? Oh, the old Irish curse. (laughs) (laughs) Have they peaked? Um, No, but but in all seriousness, they are the best team in the world at the moment. I think think that's pretty clear cut. Uh, First Grand Slam in 12 years. Yep. I, I think, I mean, France have always been... You know, I'm going to compare them to the, and don't take this the wrong way. I'm going to I'm going to compare them to the Hurricanes. You know, it's not a bad on their day they, yeah. on their day they are the best team in the world, 
but they've just been unable to string consistency has been has been quite elusive. But France have made, out of all the northern teams, they've made, made the most rugby World Cup finals. So they've always been there or, or thereabouts um, on the big stage. But the dangerous thing from about France at the moment, not only do they have probably the best halfback in the world in Anton Dupont, arguably the best player in the world as well, they managed to kind of harness the strengths of what makes French rugby so good, you know, you, you know, Oof, second yes. phase, you know, that kind of, that kind of exotic style of play. And they've kind of just, you know, harnessed it into something that is a little bit more kind of cohesive and clinical. And yeah, they are going to be a hard team to bowl. In the opening, I know the All Blacks have never lost a pool game in the Rugby World Cup, but <laughs> it's a first gonna, start for everything. <laughs> they, they are going to be hard to bowl at uh, at the Stade de France um, next year. But yeah. you know, mm. uh, have they have, have they peaked too early? You know, will the will the pressure of hosting uh, the, the World Cup at home? You know, when uh, there's uh, all this expectation from um, from their punters. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think the French team is... I reckon they're going to have the edge over the All Blacks. Eh? Like their team yeah. seems relatively settled in their positions. They know their roles and, and how to play, but it seems like the All Blacks are still trying to decide, like we, even us trying to decide who plays six, who plays seven, uh. who plays eight. Like we don't even know. Um, and, and that's where they might have the edge over us. I think COVID has definitely, I think COVID has definitely busted it wide open as well, and just made it. I don't know. There are you know five, six, seven teams who you know could be playing a rugby world cup final. You know there is. Yeah. I think they had. I think they had England at fifth on the on those rankings that you um, unveiled, Scott. Which. Yeah. You know, um, I'm, I'm 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 bloody concerned about playing England later later this year at uh, at Twickenham. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I still have mental scars from that semi-final um, in Yokohama. So yeah, same here, bro. Same here. Well, just yeah. just for you folks at home who haven't seen the latest um, updates, um, as mentioned by Scott earlier, um, we'll just read through the top ten, um, and there's been some changes, like Scott said, uh, with New Zealand. Not too happy about that. But at number ten, we've got Japan. Not surprised there. Those guys are a promising team and they've been pretty steady. Number nine, I think Wales would be pretty disappointed with that. They're, I feel like they're probably two spots better than that. Um, at number eight, we've got Argentina. A little bit generous, but I guess we'll find out once they play some of the Northern Hemisphere teams. Number seven, Scotland. Um, they're a bit of a dummy team for the Northern Hemisphere teams, eh? Um one minute they can beat England and then they lose against Wales. Who knows what you're going to get out of that team. Um, and we mentioned Australia here at number six. Um, some promising youthful players coming through the ranks. Um, and here we get into the nitty gritty of the top five. And I do feel like perhaps there's quite a separation between the previous five and this upcoming five. And I do think England, as you mentioned, um, Bernsey, deserve their spots at number five. And just ahead of them, we've got Ireland at number four. Um, man, that was a tough battle at last that last World Cup in the quarterfinals. The score did not reflect how beaten and bruised the All Blacks were, who do come in at number three, which is tied for like the lowest we've ever, we've ever been. Um, and with France getting the Grand Slam, they leapfrog us and into the number two spot uh, and rightfully so they are playing some of the hottest rugby at the moment um, and you could all guess that the current reigning world champion South Africa still take out number one despite losing a game against the All Blacks but we'll let that one slide so there you have it the, the world rugby powers have shifted and I think we've all heard it tonight that there's, there's a lot of question marks down here in the south and they seem to be consolidating in the north. Um, 
I don't know, folks, is, is that a good way to summarize how rugby's been played the last 18 months? Yeah, I think the power structure has definitely shifted towards the north, but I think that makes uh, the game that much more exciting and puts the onus on the likes of the All Blacks, uh, the Springboks, to really up the ante and yeah. you know prove that we are you know, a superpower, really, because uh, we can't have the European nations uh, cockahoo, so... Uh, the battle is on as far as i'm concerned nice yeah yeah look i totally agree um and i don't think it's a matter of the all blacks or southern hemisphere has gotten worse i think it's more of a case that northern hemisphere has gotten better to be honest with you but um yeah i'm just excited to see exciting rugby all year round like i love it that we play scotland and we don't know if we're going to (laughs) win it's great it's great entertainment so yeah, love it. Okay, I think we should wrap it up there, guys, and call it a night. But, um, yeah, some exciting rugby ahead, um, particularly with the World Cup around the corner. And, um, gosh, quickly, real quickly, on three, we'll name our team who we think are going to win the next World Cup. Ready? On one, two, three, France. France. <laughs> Bernsie's undecided. Silence. <laughs> oh. He'd probably say Canterbury. <laughs> New, New, New Zealand. Oh, there he is. It's got to be one. New Zealand. Nah, we'll wrap it up nice. there, right? So, so thanks again for listening, guys. And um, yeah, we'll see you on the next podcast. Have a good night. Ciao. See you.